0: Um, this idea of striding versus striving. Striding with a D versus striving. Striving is, is what I consider the idea of trying to do it on your own. Running, being busy, doing more, having your schedule packed, doing everything possible to get ahead. That is striving. And, and I googled for the definition of striving, and it's going to be up here. Striving is to exert oneself vigorously to try hard. When you strive, you're exerting yourself vigorously and you're trying hard. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that sounds a lot like us, right? A lot, a lot like our situation. A lot of areas in our lives where we're striving, reaching for promotions, packing our schedules full, striving for this, striving for that trying vigorously to, to, to get ahead, trying hard to, to get a raise, our life is filled with the moments where we're striving. But I think that there's a different pace in which God wants us to live our lives. Uh, and, and this pace is, is a pace for grace. Or, or rather than striving, we're striding. And, and when I Google stride, it says this, To stride is to walk with long, decisive steps in a specified direction. See, God wants us to stride into purpose. He wants us to stride into our calling. He wants us to take long, decisive steps. Steps that have been thought out, that have been planned in a specified direction He wants us to take our time in reaching our purpose and reaching our calling. The Bible says that that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. That every step we take has been planned out by him. We we take a step with our left foot, and he's like, yeah, that's right. Then we take a step with our right foot, and they're long, decisive steps. So if they are ordered and if they're righteous, then why are we trying to do more and more and more? Why are we striving rather than striding? And and this isn't a new idea. The the scriptures are filled with moments of Jesus striding, of of Jesus walking. The three years where he was doing ministry in his life, every single prophecy that was spoken about Jesus, Every single prophecy was fulfilled in three years, the last three years of his life. And how did he accomplish that? By walking. In the scriptures it says Jesus walked to Galilee. He walked to Jerusalem. He walked up to the mountain to pray. Every moment of his life was filled with walking. Understanding that if he is walking at the pace of grace, his purpose and his calling are going to get fulfilled because the steps are ordered. I believe that God wants to show us a different pace for life. A pace that doesn't have to cost you your family, your integrity, your character. It doesn't have to cost you all of that. He has ordered your steps. And every step you take is a righteous step. And if we're being honest, I think running is overrated. Like, if you want to torture me, make me run. I will hate you for the rest of my life. <laughs> running is overrated. I don't know how Donnie does it, Donnie in the back. Every, I, I just look on Facebook, he's like, I just ran another three miles. I'm like, do something with your life. Why are you running three miles? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but he's running and he's running, and I think running is overrated. And what I mean by run, running is that striving is overrated. Trying to do it at your own pace with your own power is overrated. If we want to change our pace, we're going to need to dig some some stuff up. Because running is a natural instinct for us. Striving and accomplishing and trying to do it on our own is something so natural to us. So in order to change that pace, we're going to have to set new roots. And we're going to have to dig some deep stuff out of who we are and and, and the scripture that we're going to focus on is focused on, on Genesis 3.1 right at the beginning of that and and I love Genesis and every time I'm up here I think I've brought up Genesis every time I don't know it's probably my favorite book because Genesis at the beginning of it it, it gives us God's plan A for humanity he, he places us in the perfect ideal world where we're we're walking, and, and we're living in the garden, and we're eating from natural things, and we're naked, which is kind of weird, but, you know, that's what God wanted, so we're doing that, and it's God's plan A, but then, a man comes in, and he messes that up, uh, but, but we get a glimpse of what plan A was, and yeah, what well, we should be striving for, but, but we're going to start Genesis 3.1, and it says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruits of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced from the serpent, so she she saw the tree, was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious. To me, this is a mango tree, just sitting there, and I just see the delicious mango, and I'm, I'm going to eat from the tree. It looks good, it looks delicious, I'm going to do it. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, "'Where are you?' He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And and here's the key scripture. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The the man replied, it was a woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. I love this. It's like, God's like, why did you eat that fruit? And he's like, When I was sleeping and you took the rib out and you gave me the woman I didn't want, she's the one that made me eat it. Blame her. It wasn't my fault. I love that. It's hilarious to me. And then the Lord God asked the woman, he's like, okay, what have you done? And she says, the serpent deceived me. She's like, the snake you put into this garden, that's the one that deceived me. It wasn't my fault. I was tricked. She's like, that's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. The title of today's message is Why Am I Running? Why Am I Running? I want to pose a question to you, a question that was asked of Adam and Eve in the, in the story. At, at the moment that they took from, from the apple, they ate it, they felt shame, and they were naked and afraid, which if you haven't seen that Discovery Channel show, you should watch it, Naked and Afraid. It's awesome. It's people surviving in the wilderness with nothing, nothing on them, and they're trying to win money. It's probably one of my favorite shows, but they're, they're like that. They're in the wilderness, and they're now... Now they're ashamed and they're naked and afraid. And God asks them a very important question. And he says, who told you that? Who told you that you were naked and afraid? Who told you that being naked was shameful? Who told you that because it wasn't my voice? You've been naked this entire time and you haven't been feeling shame or guilt or any of that. Who told you whose voice are you listening to? And the question I want to ask you is, who told you to run? Who told you to strive? Who told you that being busy was better? Who told you that activity equaled effectiveness? Who told you that the more you do, the more important you are? Why are we running? Why are we always trying to do more? Where did this idea of striving even come from? Of doing more, of trying harder, of, of, of accomplishing more, of exerting ourselves? Where did this idea of striving come from? And some of us in this room are like, I, I don't even know if I'm striving or, or, or striding. I don't know where I fit on this. And I have three things that, that if you're doing any of these three, three things, you're probably running. And number one, if you're taking notes, is this: If you are tired and feel like you can't go on anymore, you're probably running. If you get home from work and you're exhausted and one more person complains to you before you snap, you're probably running. If you feel like like one more responsibility gets added to you, then you're going to break down and you're going to fail you're probably running and you want to know why because scriptures say that God's uh, burden is easy and his yoke is light so if, if you're if you're feeling like you can't handle more then you're not following the pace of grace because you're you're carrying more than, than what God has for you because if you're actually walking the pace of grace and and something more gets out of God says hey you need to do this now you're like all right I can carry more. I have more energy because I'm walking at your pace. Number two, if you feel like you've done so much and still feel like there's more to accomplish or that something is missing, you are probably running. If if you have the ideal family, the ideal job, you have everything worked out for you. You're going to the best school. You have the best friends. Everything is fitting into a thing, and you still feel like something is missing, like, you, like uh, it looks perfect, but something is missing, then you're probably running. Because the scriptures say in John ten ten that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But he has come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. Meaning that, that whatever God gives us, when, when we have him in us, we are full and nothing could be missing. Because everything that he has provided is in us, taking up all the space. So if we're striving and we're trying and we're like something is missing, then we're running because we're not walking at the pace of grace. Number three, if you made plans and did not consult God. I am the guiltiest of this. This is the one where where it hurts the most. If you have made plans and did not consult God, you are probably running to sustain those plans. God says, I know the plans I have for you. That every step you take is a righteous one and it is ordered. Yet you're still trying to do it on your own. You get provided an opportunity, and, and, and rather than coming to me and praying and figuring out if it's the right opportunity for you, you say yes because, hey, that's a better paying job. Hey, th- those are better friends. Hey, that, that's, that's a better opportunity for me to get ahead and to keep trying harder, to try to keep getting further and further and further. The Bible says that, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Do you know why it says that? Because when we're walking and our eyes are open, we see an opportunity here, an opportunity here, an opportunity here, and an opportunity here, and we want to run to each one and want to try to accomplish each one. Try to, try to try, okay, I'm going to do this one because it's going to give me a raise and then I'm going to move on and do this one because then, then I'll get more vacation time and then I'm going to move on and do this one because this is going to benefit my life better and we have all of these options and we're going to try to do them all and God says, no, 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 you need to slow down and you need to walk the pace of grace, you need to take strides, you need to listen and understand and walk by faith and not by sight and I want to ask you again, who told us to run? And the answer to this is everyone has been telling us to run from the moment we were little to now. Everyone in our life has been telling us to run. I want you to imagine this. You have me as a little kid, as a little three-year-old, little John, he's three years old, and I'm playing with my blocks and I'm doing my thing, and and someone comes over and they're like, hey, John, I, I know you're like just getting potty trained. I know you're playing with your with your toys, but hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you become an adult? And 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 little John's like, I I'm trying to control myself from not peeing myself. And you wanna know what I want to do in the future? Like, like I just wanna figure this out first and then I'll move on to what I do in, in the future. And and this seems like an innocent question. But what we're telling John, what we're telling him is that I know you're just three and learning your ABCs, and, and and you're trying not to pee yourself right now, but you better hurry up and figure out what you want to do because there's not enough time, time, and life is gonna fly by. If you don't hurry up and stop messing around with those blocks, you're gonna miss out on life. You're gonna make a, a bad career choice. You're gonna you're gonna be so unhappy in the world because you haven't been thinking about it since you were little. And from that moment, we have created a runner. And then little John, he's now uh, in middle school. And he's, he's hanging out and he gets asked, hey, John, where do you want to go to college? And John's like, I'm just trying to figure out geometry. Like, I, I'm just trying to, to figure out how, how to do these, this angle stuff. Like, you want me to think about college? I don't even know how to, how to do this stuff. And then he gets to high school. And, and John is picking up speed now because he feels like he isn't where he's supposed to be. And John, uh, and John, John is now in high school, and, and, and someone comes up to him and is like, hey, John, you've been thinking about this for years now. Where do you want to go to college? And John's like, I'm, I'm just trying to get a girlfriend. Like, that's what I'm focused on right now. It's trying to get a girlfriend. I, I don't know where I want to go. I have no idea what I want to do. And his entire life, John has been trying to catch up. And what we're showing him is that where you are isn't okay. What we're showing him is that you better hurry up and figure out what's next or you're going to get left behind. That's why we have so many unhappy people because their entire life they have been focused on what's ahead and what's up here, that they've missed what's right in front of them. That they've missed what's happening with 16-year-olds, what they should be focusing on, which is trying to have a girlfriend and trying to hang out and have fun. Appropriate fun, high schoolers. None of that partying, but the appropriate stuff. They're, they're, they're so focused on getting ahead, doing this, doing that, what college, what career, how much money am I going to make, that they miss out on what's in front. Now, John is in college and he has no idea what he's going to do, but he's paying thousands of dollars in college. Because at one point in his life, when he was a little kid, he said, Hey, mom, I want to be a doctor. And now he's stuck at that. And now he's going to med school and he's like, I don't even know if I want to be a doctor. And I made that decision when I was three years old. And he gets asked, Hey, John, you're in college? When are you going to get married? It's not, you should be, hey, you should enjoy your college years. You should be trying to build friendships, do this thing, and, and figure it out as you go. No, no, when are you going to get married? And then John gets married. And what's the question that comes next? When are you going to have kids? It's not, hey, John, you should enjoy this time with your wife, just the two of you. What God has created and what God is, has built in that relationship, you should no, 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 when are you going to have kids? We're always asking for what's ahead rather than focusing on what's in front of us. And we've raised runners, and now we have adults and grown-ups, people who have been running their entire lives and are tired. And, and, and we say stuff like, man, time just flies by. How many, I, I've said this before. How many of us have said that? That time just flies. Can I tell you that time doesn't fly? When is the last time a minute lasted 30 seconds? never a minute has always been a minute an hour has always been an hour a day has always been 24 hours see the reason that we feel like time is flying by is because we're so focused on what's ahead we're running so fast that everything that we're passing by is just a blur we no longer have time to focus on what's in front of us and enjoy that time but we're like hey i need, i need to move on i need to get a, a wife I need to have kids. I need to buy a perfect home. I need to get a raise. I need to get a a retirement plan. I got to do all of these things. And when we reach the end, we're like, wow, time is flowing. I didn't enjoy my teenage years. I didn't enjoy my time in college because I was so focused on what was ahead. Why are we running? A lot of us, we run because we think it looks better. And I have a picture right here. This is what, what we look like when we're running, right? It's like in the movies. It's slow-mo. The wind is blowing in our hair. We're just like, yeah, we're looking perfect, and we're running, and everything is going right. When uh, you graduate college, you get that job. You get that, that boyfriend that's like, oh, he looks perfect. You get all of the things, and it looks like it's going in order. You're saying, I'm providing, and, and, and I'm, I'm amazing. But in reality, this is what we look like when we're running. In reality, we're just like trying to, trying to make it as far, and this is what, this is what I look like when I'm running. <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to run, and I'm trying to stride, and I'm trying to do things, and it doesn't look as perfect as we thought it would. We see someone running, right? We see our friends, and they're running, and they're like, wow, they're doing amazing. They've got a good job, they've got good grades. They got a good family. Wow, they're doing so much good stuff. And I want to stop and ask you, at what cost? At what cost does running affect your life? What does your job cost you? What do your friendships cost you? What does striving cost you? What are you missing out on? that God has planned for you. And if we're being honest, when we're running and we're striving and we begin to slow down, we begin to get tired and hurt and we realize all our insecurities. And we and we realize that we're up here all alone because we've been running and striving and and we've outrun everyone around us. And I think I think the real reason we run is that we're running because we're trying to cover up. Running is our cover up. Genesis 3, 7 says this. At that moment, their eyes were wide open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Running is the fig leaf that covers up all the areas you are insecure about. It's the thing that if you run fast enough, they won't notice how insecure, how hurt, and broken you are. See, when when you have a pain in your leg, uh, prime example, Julianne. Julianne got hurt last weekend, and and her knee is messed up. And when she's walking, she walks funny because she's a limp, right? Because she's hurt. It's painful to walk. So when we're walking and we're walking with a limp, people see our pain, people see our insecurity. And, and and then we begin to walk faster and faster, and then we start running and running, and people are like, Wow, he runs funny, but look at him go. Look at all that he's accomplishing. And and the running and the hiding of the pain, it begins to, to get normalized. A lot of us are running to hide insecurities. They look at us and they're amazed at how much we do, and amazed at how much we've accomplished. But the truth, the truth is, is that we're running to try to cover up our pain. We're trying to strive to do more to cover up past hurts. Maybe some of us, when we were young, we were at Christmas, and our parents didn't have a lot of money, and it came time to give out gifts. And you couldn't get a gift. All you got was a card, because your parents just couldn't afford it and then from that moment on you said i am never going to not give my kids a gift so i'm going to work as hard as i can to provide as much as i can for my kids and you're running to hide a hide that pain and that insecurity of not giving anything and everything to your kids maybe some of us when we were young they said hey man you're awesome but you're just not that good looking right? Someone hurt us, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, someone hurt us, and now, and now we're running and, and we, we have our life put together from the outside. We're perfect. We have our makeup done, our hair done. We look well-dressed. We're always spick and spam. We're always ready, and people are like, wow, you're ma- look how good you look every time, but in reality, you're hiding the pain that someone caused you in the past. Some of us have been running for so long that we forget about the pain that we are hiding. And we begin to slow down and the wounds begin to show. Why are we running? And, and if I'm being honest with you guys, every time I'm up here and I'm, I'm preaching and I'm speaking, I'm not just telling you stuff so you can do better. In reality, I'm preaching to myself. In reality, when, when I was preparing my past message and God said no, and I started working on this one, it, and I was like, why are you running? I mean, things just started popping up in my head of why I was running. So, so, so we're going to play a game, okay? What we're going to do is that I'm going to say, my name is John, and I'm running. And then you're going to say, John, why are you running? Okay, so let's test this out. My name is John, and I am running. Perfect. You guys sound beautiful. Okay, here we go. My name is John, and I am running. I run because I want everyone to know that I am enough. My name is John, and I am running. I am running because I want to make my dad proud. My name is John and I am running. I'm running because when I walked in the room, people didn't clap. But when I started running into the room, people started to clap. I am running because one time I raised my hand in class and I got the answer wrong and everyone laughed. And from that moment on, I said I would never get an answer wrong. I run because I learned what got applause. Whatever I did something, whatever I acted a certain way, people seemed to enjoy it and laugh and, and accept me, so I started doing that. That's why I run. Because when I was myself, no one laughed, no one paid attention to me. And I'm afraid that if I actually slow down, you might actually see how hurt I am. You might actually see my pain. You might actually see the limp. You might actually see how broken I really am. The question is, why are you running? See, when I was writing this message at the top, at my home, I have the notebook where I wrote this. At the top, it says, Why am I running? And it's titled, Why Am I running? Because I realize that I am running. But the question I have for you is, Why are you running? What pain are you hiding? What insecurities are you running from? And some of you in this room are like, John, that sucks that you're running. It sucks that you're striving. It sucks that you're doing all that, but I'm not a runner. I'm just, that's not me. That's not who I am. And my response to that is, you you might not be running. You might not be walking. You might actually be standing still. And you haven't moved in what seems like hundreds of years because you're afraid. And that fear of failure, that fear of, of, of people making fun of you has actually frozen you where you are standing. And you're saying, I, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't, I don't know how to even take my first step forward. See, some of us have, have, have been so paralyzed by fear that we're not even moving. But I, I want to tell you that, that from, from this point on, Fear will no longer paralyze any of us. Insecurities will no longer paralyze any of us. From this moment on, we're going to try to, to if, you're, if, you're, if you're paralyzed, to take one step. If you're running, to slow down. Then you might be saying, all right, how are we going to do this? If, if, if we've been striving, if we haven't been moving, how are we going to do this? Because running is a natural instinct for us. It has been taught from the beginning. So if we want to change this, we're going to have to dig up the roots, and we're going to have to dig deep, deep down and uncover some things. But it's not going to be a natural reaction for us. So when we wake up in the morning, our natural instinct is, hey, I need to, I need to try harder, I need to work harder, I need to do this. I need to keep running. So what I'm going to talk about is something that we have to do on a daily basis. Because in order to change habits, you have to, you have to do the new thing daily, and daily, and daily, and daily, and daily until it becomes a habit. So how are we going to do this? If you want to go at the pace of grace, we have to wake up and realize that we have been running and and slow down and walk at that pace of grace. So the first one is this. We need to uncover and repent. The reason we run is we are trying to hide a lot of things. If we are going to find God's pace, we need to uncover the pain. Uncover the insecurities. See, some of us, we have been running and striving and doing this to prove someone wrong. Someone that might not even be in your life anymore. Someone that said, hey, you're not, you're not going to amount to anything. And you're like, watch me. And then you start running. And you're running and you're running to prove them wrong. But they don't even matter because they're, they're nowhere to be found in your life. You need to begin to uncover all of these things. And, and when you uncover it and you realize why you have been running, you have to say, God, I'm sorry for running because I didn't trust you. You, wanna, you know what striving is? Striving is not trusting God. Striving is saying, I can do it on my own, so I'm going to do it on my own. And, and then you realize, hey, I'm actually hurt and I'm actually broken, and these are the things and you have to say, God, I'm sorry that I didn't trust you. That's the repentance, saying, hey, I, I'm sorry. Let's, do, let's change it. And you have to wake up day after day and say, God, I'm sorry. This is why I strive. Change it in me. And we might uncover some things as we go deeper and deeper that, that are going to take more actions. And I'm saying this out of my own convictions. When I was doing this, when I was prepping for this, God said, hey, you're running because of this and this and this and this and this. And, and I, I began to get angry and and all of these feelings came back up. And it brought me to a moment where one of my family members told me that when I was young that I would never accomplish anything in my life. That I was going to be like my grandpa, I was going to be like my dad, I was going to be like my uncle, just failures. And from that, from that moment I started running and I said, no, I'm, I'm going to accomplish everything and anything. I will do anything and everything to get to where I need to go. And God said, You need to let that go and you need to forgive that person. So you know what I did? Got my phone and I called that person. <laughs> and I said, Hey, like I know I know you said this and I've been holding it over your head, and you don't even know that I've I, I have all these feelings for you, but but I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been holding this over your head and and, and I'm sorry that, that I feel this way about you, but I want to change. And they said hey, from that moment, it was, it was like a time of, of reconciliation. I mean, we were both crying on the phone. And it was a time where, where God was just working and digging out the deepest parts of who I am. And some of you are going to need to do that. Some of you are going to need to take, pick up a phone, go visit someone and say, hey, I forgive you. And start mending those relationships back together. Some of you, are going to uncover some stuff and you're just going to need to own it. You're just going to be like, hey, I made this mistake. God, I'm sorry. This was on me and I'm sorry and I repent and I, I, I won't do this again so forgive me. Some of us just need to own our own mistakes and stop running and trying to hide all that we've messed up. And my second point is this is that that first we have to, to uncover and repent. Next we have to commit to walk. We think of commitment as just doing an action. Uh, I'm committing a crime. I'm I'm committing to a college like it's an action that we do. But in reality, what it means is that it's an obligation to oneself or to bind to. So when I say commit, I mean that there is no other option. That if we're going to commit to walk, it's because God wants us to walk. There's no other option for, for us to be in this space of grace but to walk and commit to walk, to bind to walking, to make a covenant to walk. In the story, and, and under commit, we, we have to commit to walk with others, which is like a sub point to commit to walk. Commit to walk with others. In the story that we just read in Genesis, Eve is talking to the serpent. And the serpent is saying all of these things, and Adam is MIA. Adam is nowhere to be found. Adam is like probably in in like just walking, enjoying life. And Eve is talking to the serpent, and the serpent is saying, "Hey, did God actually tell you this?" And God told Adam; He didn't tell Eve to not eat from the tree. Adam was the one that had the full information, but he wasn't there. Eve was there. Because when we're separated when we're not walking in community, when we want to do everything on our own, we don't always make the best decisions. If we're going to walk at the pace of grace, we need people. See, some of us have, have been waiting on a miracle to happen in our lives, and God is saying, I just need you to get over yourself and realize that you can't do it on our own. You're saying, God, God I, I want to I quit smoking. I want to quit doing all of these things I need a miracle for this to happen. as God saying, get over yourself and realize you can't do it alone. You need to be in community. You need people to hold you accountable. I'd like to invite Tate and whoever else is coming up here. Up here, this is it for my demonstration. Um, in my life, I have committed to walking with some of my best friends. And these guys are going to represent my best friends. All right, you guys can stand right here. We have committed to walking together. That no matter what happens, no matter how angry you are, no matter the situations in life, that doesn't matter because we're committing to walking with each other. And I'm telling you, that's hard to do. A few months ago, I called up my friend and he was doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And I was like, if I were right there, I would punch you so hard. I am so mad at you, I want to hit you. But that doesn't matter because I'm committed to walking with him. And some of us, we're, 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 we all start at this race, right? We're all here. And someone hurt us, so we start running. And we start running, and we're striving, and we're doing our best. We're doing our best, and we look back. And we're like, we're beating all of these people. My life is so much better than everyone back here. So I'm going to keep running, and I'm going to keep running. And then I reach a point in my life where I'm tired. I've been running for so long that now I'm tired. And I look to my left, and I look to my right, and there's no one there. And then life gets hard, and you're, and you're like, there's no one here to, to help me walk through this. Man, maybe I should just go to the bar. Man, maybe I should just just do what I've always done and fall into this, fall into that. And we're standing here, we're alone, and we've been running for so long that when we look to our left and our right, there's no one there running with us. And that's not the plan God has for us. The plan God actually has for us is this. We're going to all link arms. Ready? Yeah, it's going to take some skill. Let's actually go down there. <laughs> Human centipede. What's actually happening is that, is that when we're all walking together, we're all at the pace of grace. We're all walking at the same pace. That when I want to slow down, they're at keep walking. They're actually pulling me forward and not allowing me to slow down. They're not allowing me to say, no, I can't do this anymore. They're actually pulling me forward and allowing me to keep the pace. And the opposite is true. That when we're walking and I want to get ahead, they're actually pulling me back and not allowing me to get ahead. They're keeping me at the pace of grace because God wants us to walk in community. Good job, guys. What God wants for you is that he wants you to commit to walk with others. Some of us are one community away from committing to God. Some of us are one small group away from seeing change in our lives. But we need to get over ourselves and realize that we can't do this alone. We need to commit to walk with others. People will keep you walking at the pace of grace. The second part is this, that we need to commit to walk with God. Something, and Adam, something Adam and Eve did prior to, to the eating of the apple, or to eating of the fruit, is that they would walk the garden with God all the time. And the tree was there in the middle of the whole time, and they're walking, and they're not even paying attention to the tree because they're so focused on how great God is. They are so focused on how perfect their situation is, how good it is to walk with God, that they don't even see the tree But the moment that they stop walking with God, their focus turns on something else. And they fall into temptation. And they mess up. See, some of us, we need to commit to walk with others, but we also need to commit to walk with God. Fixating our eyes on Him and understanding how much purpose, how much glory is awaiting for us because we have been chosen. That we're so focused on Him that when other things come up, other insecurities, it doesn't matter because we're walking with God and all of that just falls away because we're so fixated on walking with the creator of everything. If you want to walk the pace of grace, you need to walk with God and you need to walk with people. And the last point, we got to commit to walk in victory. Genesis 3.14, This is this. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you, the serpent, and the woman. And between your offspring, the serpent's offspring, and her offspring. And he will strike your head, and you, the serpent, will strike his heel. And the last part of this story, God is addressing the serpent, or, or the enemy, this the spirit of evil. He's addressing it. And he's saying, hey, you, you've messed up, and now you are cursed. And your offspring will be at odds with Eve's offspring. And who is Eve's offspring? If we believe what the Bible says to be true, we are Eve's offspring. We are all, can be traced back to Eve. And he's saying, the, the, there's going to be tension between evil spirits and, and, and Eve's offsprings, and there's, there's going to be tension there. There's going to be hostility there. Between, between the, the, the serpent's offsprings and your offsprings. Then he goes on to say this. He says, he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. At the end there, it says, you will strike his heel. The serpent will strike your heel. You know what that means? Is that the enemy is going to try to mess with your, your pace of walking. The enemy is going to be slithering around and he's going to try to bite you at your heels so that your pace gets changed up. That you, that you no longer are walking at the pace of grace because you're hurt, you have these insecurities, you have all these fears. and you no lo- That's what the enemy is going to try to do. He's going to try to mess with your pace. But I love what is prior to this. And if, you've, if you read your Bibles and you know anything about reading your Bibles, at a deeper level, if you notice where it says he will strike your head, he is capitalized. And whenever there's a capital he, it's actually talking about Jesus. He's talking about God. He's saying, hey, hey, at this moment when you ate from the apple, at the moment where you all messed up, where, where all the, the curse was unleashed and everything is happening, I am promising that I will send a he to stomp on the head of the enemy. So that that when you're walking and the the serpent is striking at your heel, you don't have to worry about it because I have sent Jesus. I have sent the king of kings, the alpha and the omega. I have sent that person to stomp on the head of the enemy. And I love this. In, In Luke 10, Luke 10, 19, we have Jesus who has sent out his disciples and his disciples are out doing the ministry of God and they come back, and they're so excited. They're like, man, Jesus, the demons know our names. We're casting out, like, we're healing people. We're doing all of these things for your name. And Jesus replies this, and I, oh, man, I love this. says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. He's saying, hey, I've given you all the power and the authority that now, hey, that serpent that is going to strike your heel, you can walk and be confident that when you walk and you're walking the pace of grace, you're going to crush his head. That when all these insecurities and these fears and all of these things start coming up, if you're walking the pace of grace, you don't have to worry that because God's already taken care of that with Jesus. He has already sent the one to take care of all of those problems. Some of us need to commit to walk with others, commit to walk with Jesus, but some of us need to commit to walk with victory, understanding how much power and authority we have. What each step that we take, each ordered and righteous step means. Following Jesus should not cost you anything. What it will cost you is your pride. Jesus said he came to give us life and life at the fullest. Some translations say a life we can only dream of. But it starts with walking long decisive steps in a specified direction. I'm reminded of the story of Peter. When Peter's going to walk on water. Jesus said, hey, Peter, come out here. And Peter's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So he steps out the boat and he's walking on water. You know what happens, what makes him fail at walking on water is the moment that he takes his eyes off of Jesus. The moment that he realizes, he's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be walking on water. And all these fears and securities, and he fails at that moment. See, some of us, some of us are so focused on our fears and our insecurities, on trying to hide that, on trying to run faster and faster and faster, when in reality all we have to do is slow down and focus on Him, focus on the Creator, and focus on walking at the victory that He has given us.